Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. Have you ever felt like you needed something a little darker than whale noises or counting sheep to unwind at the end of the day? Maybe you've realized horror itself can be a strange but relaxing escape from reality. Every week, I bring to you a myriad of bone-chilling tales, from 19th century dusty tomes to modern up-and-coming authors to truer spooky tales like Reddit mysteries and time slips, all accompanied by a gentle voice and ambient music and sounds so that you feel immersed and lost in your own personal horror story. You can find Scare You to Sleep exclusively on Spotify. So, grab some earbuds, a cozy corner, and join me, Shelby Scott, every Thursday, and let's get unsettled together. Now, go get some sleep. Sweet dreams. Aloha, gangi. Welcome back to Ghost Lore of Hawaii, Paranormal Paradise. For episode three, we're headed inland to Volcanoes National Park. We're covering one of Hawaii's most popular superstitions. Sipapo bin a beverage of your choice. Green bottle, brown bottle, soda, beer, just like race, we don't discriminate over here. Ugh, corny. Light up some of Pele's fire, if you know what I mean. I just use it to keep the mosquitoes away. Get comfortable, cozy up to the fire, and let's get into this. Hawaii's culture is filled with folklore and superstition. Native Hawaiians did not have a written language, so these traditions were passed down to younger generations strictly through their oral history. Elders taught lessons through dance, song, and chants, all forms of storytelling. One of these classic legends involves the goddess of fire and volcanoes, Pelehonuamea, or Pele, as she's better known. Even though Pele's myth goes back centuries, present-day stories of people crossing paths with her on dark roads are still told. Another popular tale involves driving with pork in your vehicle. The urban legend explains experiencing car trouble while driving on certain roads in Hawaii, especially the old Pali Road on Oahu and Saddle Road on the Big Island. The victim's car breaks down, but no issues can be found. Then, remembering the pork packed somewhere in the vehicle, they toss it out, and suddenly, the engine starts up with no problem. This story stems from a tale of former lovers, Pele, the goddess of fire, and Kamapua'a, a demigod who was half man, half pig. Their turbulent love affair caused destruction across the islands until a treaty between the two was made. Kamapua'a leaves for the ocean where he now resides as Hawaii's state fish, the Humuhumu Nukunuku Apua'a. Pua'a translates to pig. The fish has a curved snout that resembles a pig and when pulled from the water, makes a weird oinking sound. 
The supposed reason for the car trouble is by bringing pork along those roads. You're breaking that treaty of Kamapua'a not passing into Pele's territory. I'll definitely go into more detail about Pele, her origin story, and other spooky tales tied to her lore in another episode. Tonight's tale involves Pele's curse. John grabbed his to-go mug of coffee out of the cup holder in his Toyota Tacoma and opened the door. As he stepped out of the truck into the crisp morning air, he paused for a second to appreciate the beautiful Hawaii sunrise. John had worked as a park ranger at Volcanoes National Park since 1987 after graduating high school. That same year, the park was designated as a UNESCO World Heritage Site. The coinciding years made John feel a special connection with the park. He approached the main door of the Kilauea Visitor Center and wrestled with his keys for a bit until finding the correct one for the entrance. Opening the door, the stale smell of the building always welcomed him, like the scent of home after a long time away. Waiting for him on the ground was a small pile of mail slipped through the slot of the door earlier that morning. He bent over and collected the pile of mail and began sorting through the correspondence. John decided to open a package first. A manila envelope about the size of a sheet of paper. He cut the top of the package open with his pocket knife. The contents of the package shuffling as he moved. John pulled the folded pieces of paper from within the envelope and placed the pile of mail down on his desk. Damn, is this a screenplay? John thought, commenting on the numerous typed pages in his hand. Sitting back, coffee in one hand, letter in the other, he read... To To whom whom it may may concern. concern. Hello. I want to thank you in advance for taking the time to read this letter. Before going into the reason for my correspondence, I want to give a little background. I recently visited Hawaii for the first time a few months back. My fiancé and I We're celebrating our engagement and decided to rent a cherry red convertible to explore the Big Island. Big Island. Oh, you Hawaiians are clever with the nicknames. At first, I was taken aback by the jagged volcanic terrain of the island. I knew nothing about Hawaii besides what I've seen on television programs and always imagined white sandy beaches. But as we began our descent over the West Hawaii coastline, nothing but black rock contrasted with the turquoise hue of the Pacific was visible. I later learned that Hawaii Island is the youngest of eight islands that make up the residential island chain. It makes sense to me now that the youngest island would be the most rocky, having less time for the elements to turn that rock into sand. My fiancé, Tina, an Instagram influencer, 
was a bit disheartened at the lack of sand, but I was invigorated. The unexpected beauty of the land, stained black by the centuries-old hardened lava, inspired me. You may have already heard of my jewelry company, Unordinary Ornaments. The popularity I've garnered over the past decade is something I take immense pride in. First building my brand through social media like Facebook, then Instagram. With over 75k followers, that's 75,000. That ain't shit, John interrupted. My nephew Brandon Lutz is just as popular for surfing. And he's barely a teenager. You can bet there's a demand anytime I drop a new collection. My work is mostly known for incorporating organic elements like stone or wood with metals like copper or silver. Because of a little NDA... I can't say her name, but a certain you-know-who from that reality TV show wore my piece to the Met Gala. I'm kind of a big deal in the jewelry industry. I ran into Tina's Instagram account and saw she had close to 100,000 followers. She was also living in L.A., so I contacted her for a business inquiry. I had been looking for a successful social media presence to model some of my jewelry, and she was the perfect fit. I like to call her type the LA hippie. Yoga, incense, henna, and vegan, but still wore $200 t-shirts and drove a Beamer. Who the heck are these people? John thought. The Burley Park Ranger was hipper than most other 48-year-olds because of his teenage daughters, and he had no clue what this guy was talking about. Get to the point. Anyway, I'll get back to my point. We rented a beautiful oceanfront Airbnb near Waikoloa for our stay. Just gorgeous. Kona coffee on our lanai in the mornings and sipping lava flows while watching the sunset. You know that blended drink with pina colada and strawberry daiquiri swirled in? A little sugary for me, but Tina loves them. And happy future wife, happy life, as they say. I'm more of a green bottle boy, John commented. Referencing the green beer bottles locals are stereotypically seen drinking. John's wife from the mainland often joked that Hawaiians loved drinking green bottles just as much as they loved Bruno Mars. John always chuckled at the joke, but didn't think it was very funny. What's wrong with Bruno? We had rented one of those semi-convertible jeeps with a removable hardtop and had already explored most of West Hawaii. Boogie boarding at Hapuna Beach. Sunset dinner in Kailua Town. Coffee plantations up... What's the word y'all use? Mauka? For the mountainside? Mauka, John verbally corrected to no one. Oh man, I've never had better coffee anywhere. Tina is a half-calf, extra caramel, soy milk, frappuccino type of girl, so the quality was lost on her. She had been overly cranky the past few days because of the hot, humid weather of the island. Let me tell you, the beauty of your island can only eclipse a nagging girlfriend for so long. 
the hottie at the restaurant that took our order told us about the volcano side of the island being much cooler and Hilo wasn't expected to rain. We had not planned on visiting either location, deciding to stick on the western side of the island. But Tina's complaints were wearing thin. Seeing as the drive to Hilo, directly from Waikoloa, was just over an hour, I chose the longer scenic route, which only added a couple of hours. Driving south through Kealakekua, Kealakekua, continuing down all the way to Nalehu, I think it's pronounced. Naalehu, John corrected, again to no one. We were surprised to learn Mark Twain had visited this small town before becoming a famous author. Who would have known such a blink-and-you'll-miss-it town housed such a historic writer? Being a thespian myself, I can see how the beauty of the town's surroundings captivated the young Twain. We stopped for lunch at that cute bakery, Puna, uh, Punalu Bake Shop. Punalu'u Bake Shop, John said, a favorite of his. Yummy plate lunches, as you folks call them. I only wish we had bought more of that tasty sweetbread with the colorful swirls of taro or Guava? From there, as you know, we looped around the bottom point of the island up north towards Volcanoes National Park. Tina, complaining the entire drive, was getting restless. So I made the decision to check out the park. The scene of where this nightmare I currently find myself in started. But I'll get into that in a bit. Not interested at all, she complained of the detour. We can watch lava flow out of the crater, I lied. She didn't show any excitement, but did shut up for some time. The park museum was very interesting. We learned lots about the volcano, its eruptions, and Tina didn't even seem to mind we wouldn't be able to see lava. Or at least she didn't mention it. The museum is also where we learned about the fire goddess, Pele, and her curse. I would later look up details of the curse while back in my L.A. penthouse and was surprised to find a Wikipedia article on Pele's curse, which summarized anything native Hawaiian such as sand, rock, or pumice, will bring bad luck on whoever takes it away from Hawaii. I should have taken this more seriously. Now I'm more in touch with my spirituality than most. Tina is an L.A. hippie, so I don't understand why I so easily dismissed the curse as a silly superstition. In one ear, out the other, as they say. I would deeply regret that. Tina had been complaining, as usual, of feeling fat after all the vacation meals and being away from Sven, 
her personal trainer. I read on the park site about the hike on the Crater Rim Trail. The hike began around the rim of the crater, continued down to its floor, then back up. The entire hike would be just over three miles, so I sold the idea to Tina by pushing the cardio aspect. I wanted to do the hike for a different reason. I mentioned feeling inspired ever since flying over the black rocky terrain a few days back. Every night since then, I had been dreaming of new pieces made out of the dark crystalline lava rock. Each morning, while sipping my Kona coffee, I'd sketch these pieces from memory until satisfied with the creations. With so much of the rock surrounding the island, finding a high-quality chunk would be easy, I figured. I was strolling the aisles of the museum when the idea hit me. Not just any common rock on the side of the road would suffice. These new pieces would be constructed of lava rock from inside the crater of an actual active volcano. The exclusivity of the material could fetch a hefty price. Cha-ching! Since the idea hit, I'd been trying to figure out how to get Tina down to the floor of the crater. Cardio to a self-conscious L.A. girl to the rescue. The first half of the hike was easy. Neither of us broke a sweat. Tina was lean and fit, often showing off her booty under the guise of workout videos posted on social media. I, on the other hand, was overweight, out of shape, yes, two different things, from long days spent hunched over, carving and doing metalwork. My eyesight had deteriorated years ago from the constant short-sightedness of my profession, leading to thick prescription glasses. I was also in the beginning stages of balding, but that has nothing to do with my occupation and lifestyle of abundance. Hey, I'd still been able to pull Tina, who was almost half my age, and we were engaged to be married once my next jewelry piece went viral. Gold digger, John chuckled proud of remembering the slang. I can now say I'm a few pounds lighter in weight, but I'll get into that in a bit. Once completing the rim of the crater, we began the zigzagging descent to its floor. Did I mention I have bad knees? I groaned at the thought of needing to do the walk back up to get to the rental car. The vision of my completed masterpiece flashed in my mind's eye, pushing me to continue. Once making it to the bottom, stacked rocks marked the trail to the other side. Although years of tourists trekking the crater had worn a path into the hardened lava ground. Exiting the thick vegetation of the forest that surrounded the volcano and emerging into the vast emptiness that was the crater itself was like night and day. The cool shade of the trees vanished 
and the scorching Hawaiian sun reflected off the hard ground like a mirror. I thought you said this part of the island was supposed to be cooler, complained Tina. I was too focused in my search for the perfect rocks to listen or care. Venturing off the path, Aole, no, we have signs saying not to do exactly that, John scolded. I scoured the ground like a madman. Steam spewed from the cracks in the crater floor, beckoning me. With Tina dragging her feet in protest, I walked to the nearest steaming fissure. Is that safe? Tina questioned. Is the volcano gonna, like, blow up? A sign we passed somewhere in the park mentioned the steam being fine, I reassured her, but also got a flurry of butterflies thinking of the ground erupting. Before my mind could latch on to that thought, I saw it. Near the mouth of the crack in the ground was a crumbling mound of rocks. Moisture from the steam highlighted the red specks of cinder in the black rock. I bent over to inspect the find and picked up a golf ball-sized stone. Yes, the contrasting red and black was beautiful on its own. But after closer inspection, I saw speckled throughout were green olivine crystals. Wow. I'd seen olivine before, often called peridot, but something about the combination I held in my hand called to me. You know, we have one of just a few green sand beaches in the world made of that green crystal you mentioned. Just 30 minutes from Na'alehu, that blink-and-you'll-miss-it town, as you called it, John said. Without a second thought, I knelt down and began sorting through the pile of rocks. What are you doing? Tina questioned. Oh, I knew it. You only wanted to come down here for work. To think I believed you wanted to get some cardio in. This was just a coincidence. I lied, not stopping my selection process. Didn't you hear about Pele's curse? All the bad luck and stuff? That's just some BS tour bus drivers made up. Because of all the rubble left on the buses after the tours, I said. All in all, I collected about three pounds of these magnificent rocks, but ended up tossing a few pounds on the zigzagging trail back up to the car, struggling to breathe from the exertion. Not only that, but a pebble had gotten in my Yeezys, irritating the crap out of me. Being too exhausted to bend over to deal with the annoyance, I tried to ignore it. By the time we made it up to the top, my heel had been rubbed raw by the damn thing. Once I caught my breath, chugged a Diet Coke in one pull and demolished a loaf of taro sweetbread myself, I finally tugged off my sneaker, emptying its contents. 
I didn't notice anything fall out, but satisfied by my snack and relieved the walking was done, I didn't care. The drive to Hilo from the park was less than an hour, and truthfully, I don't remember much of it. I was a bit delirious from the exertion and lost in my thoughts, already planning the jewelry-making process. Tina lay reclined in the passenger seat, mouth wide open, snoring. The town of Hilo was beautiful, and we enjoyed ourselves. The temperature was a lot cooler, and the old-timey feel of the town welcomed us. But I was mostly preoccupied, still in a daze, thinking about my jewelry. I'll skip over the rest of our trip to get to the reason for my already long letter. I tucked the rocks away into my suitcase for the flight home, feeling like a drug smuggler about to risk it all. The airport was crowded with grumpy vacationers, knowing their trip to paradise was coming to an end. Not me. I was dying to get back to the shop I had in my condo to get started on my work. The only things nagging at me were Tina and another damn pebble in my shoe. The annoyance now transitioned to pain, but not anything I couldn't push out of my mind with a few beers and shot specials at the airport bar. The flight home was uneventful. The usual microwave food, crying babies, and movies edited for content, which I'm surprisingly for nowadays. Nothing feels more pervy than having a stranger walk by the same time a sex scene is playing on the mini-screen in front of me. Especially after Tina scolded me once, after glancing up at my screen at the worst possible time. Jeez, it's not like the entire movie is made of sex scenes. But I digress. I'm getting used to it, John thought. We got home a little past 1 a.m., tired from the long travel day. I kicked off my shoes and limped to our bedroom, collapsing on our California king. The next morning, still in a haze, I picked up the socks I kicked off sometime during the night. On the heel of the sock that had been on my right foot was a pea-sized blotch of blood. Sitting on the bed, I pulled my right foot up to my left knee, attempting to inspect the source of the blood. I'm not happy to say my belly kept me from maneuvering enough to inspect the bottom of my foot. Maybe Tina was right. I needed to drop a few pounds. I used a handheld mirror to inspect the sore. The rubbing of the pebble in my shoe caused the blister that had popped and slightly tore open. Ew, gross. I hobbled to the bathroom, closed the lid of the toilet to use as a seat, and cleaned, then bandaged the wound. The excitement of starting my project had intensified since first waking. For hours, 
I remained in my studio, carving, chipping, creating. I must have lost track of time, because before I knew it, Tina was pounding on the door, asking if I was going to let her starve to death. It was already eight at night? I had been working for almost 13 hours straight. I stretched my arms above my head and cracked my neck as I routinely did. As I hopped off my stool, I landed in a pool of liquid that had puddled at the base of my chair. I glanced down to investigate and realized the crotch of my pants was also soaked. I had soiled myself throughout the day. The only memory I had of the past few hours was holding my precious rocks. Embarrassed, but also a little freaked out, I quickly changed into some old work pants I kept in my shop and headed out to the hangry beast that awaited me. I quickly forgot about the accident. We decided on sushi. Or should I say, sushi for me and vegan sushi for Tina. Whatever that was. As I walked to the booth, I hadn't realized I'd been limping. Tina asked what was wrong, and I told her of the blister on my foot from the pebble. Again, I felt as if there was another pebble in my shoe. I had unknowingly dismissed the feeling, getting used to the pain throughout the day. Aww... Poor thing. Why didn't you say something? I'll clean it up for you tonight, baby. Anytime she was extra loving, I knew she wanted something. I found out later that night she wanted to take a trip to Milan with her Instagram influencer friend, whose name was also Tina. I kicked off my shoe, a different pair than the previous day, mind you. A small black pebble fell onto the tile floor. Another pebble in a different pair of shoes perplexed me. But the black stain on my sock surprised me more. Ew! I think it's infected, Tina said, grossed out. I could hear the pus sticking to the gauze as she gently pulled the bandage off. Although I couldn't see the bottom of my foot, I definitely smelled it. I don't want to gross you out with the details, But let me just say, it was... Cheesy? Tina hopped back, disgusted. I don't think I could do this, she said as she left the room in a hurry. I sprayed the bottom of my foot with disinfectant jolting at the sudden pain. I applied new gauze to my heel, secured it with medical tape, and got a new pair of socks. After putting on the new pair, I had all but forgotten about my foot and headed back to my studio to continue my masterpieces. A few days passed by in a blur but I finally completed the collection. 
each pendant featured a piece of lava rock chipped and sanded into an oval. The green olivine crystal speckled throughout the polished black rock. And the streak of red cinder came out dark as blood. The centerpiece was secured with copper wiring that twisted symmetrically around the stone. High quality hemp rope from Hawaii dyed green to bring out the green hue of the crystals was used as a lanyard. I called the necklace the Lava Lavalier, a lavalier being a pendant worn as a necklace. I posted the collection on my social media accounts and emphasized the rarity of the source material. Rocks gathered out of the steaming vents of an active volcano. You know, stuff like that. I did get a few negative comments about cultural appropriation and blah blah blah, but I blocked the accounts and the pieces quickly sold out. All in all, I made just 13 pieces, mocking the idea of a bad luck curse. Such a cocky idiot. Those pieces sold worldwide. Japan, the UK, Brazil, Africa, Cleveland, and it was practically all profit. I got the rocks for free. But nothing is free in this life, I soon realized. All throughout this success, my foot had not gotten better. Worse, actually. The sore on my heel widened. The blister had grown to the size of a half dollar and was now swollen. What used to be pus-filled was now empty skin that sagged into the blister, resembling a crater. I should have gone to the doctor immediately after smelling that stench. But my obsessive work habits distracted me. Not to mention, the sensation of the damn rock in my shoe never stopped. It didn't matter the shoe, sandal, flip-flop, or barefoot. It always felt like I was stepping on a damn pebble. Tina ended up finding me collapsed in my studio one day, shivering with a fever. When the nurse rolled me into the ER from the ambulance, he stripped off my sock, causing the entire ER staff to unintentionally step back in disgust. My entire foot was black. Just like a lava rock. The infection in my heel had spread throughout my foot, turning to gangrene, dripping with pus. I thought it was ironic that my foot was black, like a lava rock, because of gangrene. Green like the green olivine crystals inside of my pendants. I passed out before a nurse discovered one of my toes still in my sock. It had rotted off. Waking up in the hospital without remembering why is a scary feeling. Looking down and seeing a part of you is no longer intact is unexplainable. I mentioned earlier losing a couple pounds since visiting Hawaii. 
Well, the infection was so severe, the doctors needed to amputate part of my leg just below the knee. They had no clue how it spread so quickly or how I'd been able to do anything, let alone walk on it. Tina ended up leaving me. After months of rehabilitation and me being self-conscious and not wanting to leave the condo, she got bored. Turns out she was cheating on me with the influencer friend, Tina, that she went to Milan with. I fell into a deep depression. Tina. Unable to work. Unable to find inspiration. Tina. One night, drunk off of lava flows, at the literal rock bottom of a bottle... It hit me. The curse. Why hadn't I thought of that before? Because I was a conceited asshole who dismissed it as a silly superstition. I jumped online and searched Pele's curse. Hundreds of examples of visitors writing in to express their regret and apologies for taking sand or rock as souvenirs. Stories of businesses successful for generations going belly up. Health issues, affairs, family members dying. Every single one, visitors to victims of Pele's curse. Whether they truly believed in it, or not well I do believe I immediately began contacting each customer that had purchased a lava lavalier oh god what a stupid name I apologized and offered a hundred percent refund half off of any single piece on my website and all shipping costs covered by me anywhere in the world. In the end, I lost the equivalent of close to $12,000 in shipping fees and jewelry discounts. Turns out, I sold the exclusivity of the rocks too well. Enclosed, are all the rocks I was able to get back. 11 out of the 13, plus a whole bunch of pebbles. Unfortunately, Brazil and Africa never responded to my emails. I can only hope Pele accepts my apologies for not returning all. I really tried. I would have personally walked the rocks back to the very spot I took them, if not for my damn leg. Here's the thing. I've just begun to get used to this damn prosthetic. Months of painful rehab and having to get used to the stares of passerbys. And the stares, well, literal stares, like, Walking upstairs? So I'm just getting used to this fake leg. Things seem to finally be looking up. I had just picked up Japan and Cleveland's return necklaces, completing the 11 customers that had responded. As I hobbled back to my Uber, cane in one hand, Boxes balancing against my body and the other. I felt it. A pebble. In my left shoe. My sole survivor. No pun intended. Hey man. Do you want me to turn up the AC? You look kind of... Hot? Hot? 
the Uber driver asked. I wiped my brow, ignoring the question as I reached down to untie my sneaker. I struggled a bit in the narrow back seat of the sedan as I removed the shoe. Out fell a tiny lava rock. No, it can't be. Cold sweat soaked through my shirt. A pus-filled blister had already formed on the heel of my foot. It looked like a volcano. So I beg you, please pass my regret and deepest apologies to Madame Pele for taking her things and mocking her curse. I overnighted this package to the park and asked that someone return the rocks as well. I write this from the hospital. Yesterday, the wound from my foot began to smell as the infection spread just as before. The doctors are treating it with, well, whatever they can. I just hope these rocks get there in time before I lose my other leg. I'm sure once they're returned, the bad luck will change. I'm sure I'll be inspired and successful again. And I'm sure Tina will come back to me. I'm sure it'll break the curse. It has to, right? Well, thank you again in advance. John folded the letter and placed it back into its envelope. He took a couple steps towards an old, four-foot-tall filing cabinet and pulled out the bottom drawer. He tossed the letter into the drawer amongst a sea of other letters, all with comparable stories of bad luck and misfortune. John slid the drawer closed with his well-worn boot and picked up the rock-filled package addressed from L.A. The rock shuffled as he casually strolled to the ranger station's entrance. He surveyed the horizon. It would be a beautiful day. Steam from the vents in the crater gently rose, eventually dissolving into the bright blue sky. John walked to the back of the building and tilted the package, emptying its contents onto the small pile of mismatched rubble that lay at his feet. White sand, black sand, green sand, white rocks, black rocks, even pieces of coral. All returned to the Kilauea Visitor Center along with the letters of misfortune. John knew the pile would only continue to grow. This was only the pile he'd been adding to since becoming a park ranger. These types of packages have been coming to the park ever since it opened in 1962. Whether it's truly a curse or just the superstition taking over a person's mind, all the rangers can do is say a prayer for the supposed victim and return the property to its rightful owner. Pelehonuamea, Madam Pele. Thank you as always for joining me on Ghost Lore of Hawaii, Paranormal Paradise. Tonight's episode was a little different than the others with a little more voice acting. I'm definitely more comfortable on the production side, so being the narrator for this little project has been something I've been getting used to. I'm working on different styles to see what you all like. 
I want to entertain, but also don't want to get stuck in trying to top the scares after each episode. So I'm thinking of having some of these lighthearted episodes sprinkled in throughout the scary. Even though they might be more on the lighter side, I'll always aim to make them creepy. So I guess now's a good time to plug my email. Ghostlore.of.hawaii at gmail.com Did you like this episode or should I go back to sticking with mainly creepy? Shout out to Elizabeth from New York, the first listener to send in an email. This story was completely fictional. I made up the entire thing, besides Pele's curse, of course. My main goal here is to share these stories with you, while also teaching what I can about the Hawaii most visitors don't get to experience. I really do hope my love for the islands and its people come through. So I want to thank you all again for tuning in. Your listener support means so much to me. The trailer you heard at the start of the episode is for one of my favorite podcasts, Scary to Sleep, hosted by the wonderful Shelby Scott. I cannot thank Shelby enough. She promoted Ghost Lore of Hawaii way before it started to get any traction. Check out new episodes of Scary to Sleep each week on Spotify. Another newer podcast is The Morbid Forest. This creative podcast is full of disturbingly dark humor, and Scary to Sleep's Shelby Scott narrated episode 3, titled I Am Not Dead. New episodes of The Morbid Forest come out each Tuesday, so check them out on Spotify. Go check out Poltergeist OD on Instagram. He raps about horror movies like Halloween and Scream. If you know horror movies by heart, you'll appreciate his lyrics. I had to rewind a few times to catch them all. Lastly, we also have a Facebook group under Ghost Lore of Hawaii that I'm still in the process of building up. I rarely use Facebook, so I kind of have to get used to how everything works again. If you were entertained, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Not just for me, but all of your favorite shows. Reviews on Apple are extremely important for podcasters and helps get their shows in front of new listeners. Thank you all who have reviewed so far. It means so much to me. I also want to thank the Instagram community that follows me. Surprisingly, a lot have never even listened to the podcast. But uh, yeah, if you want to follow me on Instagram, my handle is ghostlore.of.hawaii. What else? Uh, Please download like, share, whatever you can do to help. So I hope you have a great week. Enjoy yourselves. Drink responsibly. I heard those green bottles are stronger than other bottles. Light up some of Pele's fire, if you know what I mean. I just use it to keep the mosquitoes away. Be safe and see you next episode. All episodes were written, directed, and produced by me, Uncle Jared. Although my goal is to be as accurate as possible in any of the historical facts, entertainment is my number one goal, and secondly, is to educate. So in other words, I cannot guarantee the historical facts are 100% true, but I aim for them to be. In some cases, names and locations have been altered for privacy's sake. My version of these stories may differ from the classic telling, but the main backbone of the tale will remain the same.
Kalakakakui, Kalakukua, 